The following presentation is brought to you by The Realm Network, The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Hey folks, Bob here with this week's Bubble Genius Showcase Item of the Week. If the Twitter toddler in the White House has you completely stressed out, head on over to BubbleGenius.com and pick up their exclusive Republican voodoo doll featuring the face and body of our cartoon dictator. This item is only available for a limited time, so get yours now. Only $25 at BubbleGenius.com, with a third of the proceeds going to support the campaigns of resistance candidates across the country. Plus, if you use our promo code BOBC at checkout, you'll get 15% off your entire order only at BubbleGenius.com. And now, let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Mr. President. Governor. You enjoying the play? I am. How about you? We just got here. We were at the Yankee game. We got hung up in traffic. Yeah, I know. Something horrible happened about an hour ago. C.J. Craig was getting threats, so we put an agent on her. He walked into the middle of an armed robbery and was shot and killed after detaining one of the suspects. Crime? Boy, I don't know. We should have a great debate, Rob. We owe it to everyone. When I was running as a governor, I didn't know anything. I made them start Bartlett College in my dining room. Two hours every morning on foreign affairs and the military. You can do that. How many different ways you think you're going to find to call me dumb? I wasn't, Ron. But you've turned being unengaged into a zen-like thing, and you shouldn't enjoy it so much as all. And if it appears at times as if I don't like you, that's the only reason why. In the future, if you're wondering, crime, boy, I don't know, is when I decided to kick your ass. Bob Seska! I don't know what we're yelling about! The Bob Seska Show! Hello, Bob. Hello. It is uh, Thursday, November 2, 2017. This is the Bob Seska Show presented by BubbleGenius.com. I am Bob, and we're brought to you by the best soap in the world. It's Bubble Genius, also brought to you by the Bowen Law Group and attorney Charles J. Bowen. As always, if you want free legal advice, head over to thebowenlawgroup.com slash Bob and Chez, or just click the link to the podcast page. That's the easiest way to do it. So, uh... God damn it! Where do we begin? The Trump Crisis Day 287. And I guess, you know what? <laughs> I guess we'll just do this right here. How about this? Right here. Yeah. Jackie Schechner. Hello, world. Here's the news that she's bringing. Come on, get Jackie. All my stories is what she's singing. We bring you Jackie. Come on, it's Jackie. Oh, yes, indeed. Jackie Schechner, hi. November just snuck up on us, huh? Yeah, just a little bit. I was not prepared for November. 
I know. I was just saying, just saying the date, November 2. I'm like, holy hell. And yeah, was, I, I was at the wasn't store. ready for that. I went to the grocery store yesterday, and they've already got their Christmas decorations out. Uh, there was Christmas music playing in, in the grocery store. And I will say this. I am, everyone who's listened to the show for any length of time, <laughs> and in fact, if Chez was here, he would say, oh, God. Uh, I am like I'm like Father Christmas. I love Christmas time. I do as soon as the Thanksgiving rolls around. The day after Thanksgiving, the tree goes up. All the decorations really come out. that quickly, huh? Uh, on the show, we bring in all of the Christmas time jingles and music and all that crap. But Jesus, enough with Christmas time happening beginning on November one. Yeah, I mean, I'm still in the coma from the Halloween candy. At least <laughs> right. give me a couple of days to get through that. Yeah, and so, you know, but that aside, it's like, I get the idea that we need to sell crap, uh, that we need to start we do? selling do crap. Do we need to sell crap? Do we, we need- all need more crap? Is that what we need? It just drains all the fun out of it. If you, if so you're, you're saying we're losing the war on Christmas. We are. We are. Okay. This- <laughs> War. Christmas time is winning the war on Christmas right now. Yeah, I just want to know before I re-enlist this year like, <laughs> where we are in the war on Christmas. That's right. All right, well, Jackie Schechner is from InvestigateRussia.org. I am, and You're- I am a busy little bee this week. Yeah, there's some crap going on uh, with regard to uh, to Russia. I got up at 5 a.m. on Monday because I was reading when they thought the indictments would come down. Yeah. And uh, I live on the West Coast, as most of you know. And so it was like, all right, we'll set the alarm for five. And sure enough, like, <laughs> kept going all through the day and just more and more. I mean, it's great. Like, I'm happy to be busy and I'm happy that we're moving along. Yeah. And I'm happy that all this news information is coming out. But they are some early mornings happening now. Yeah, no doubt about it. We're going to get to all the uh, the Russia stuff coming up here in a second, uh, including Jeff Sessions. Who uh, has lied Jeff once again? Guard sessions. Seriously, dude, why all the lies? I mean, if I was, I ho- I hope he ends up in front of Al Franken again, uh, because. But if he says him with a southern accent, then he's just the sweetest little thing who can't possibly. He is mortified. He is mortified. That's right. And <laughs> what he should do is play this music in the background, because then the uh, <laughs> then the accent becomes less charming and it's I, just like scary. I do declare. I cannot believe that you would accuse me of such atrocities. <laughs> That's right. So we're going to talk to you about that in a second. But, I, you know, I think I want to start out today with this Donna Brazil story. Because this is going yeah, around. Yeah, you're going to have to work through this with me. Because I'm, I'm, I'm not sure where I am on this. I've got to, uh, right. I think what we need to do is nip this in the bud. Because it's a bigger, and I should get rid of this music. Because this <laughs> doesn't even make sense <laughs> to have the Dixie music behind the DNC story. <laughs> But, okay, so let's set this up. Uh, Donna Brazile has a book coming out, and she's released an excerpt of this book, probably the big news item, the big breaking news part of the book, is this, uh, this excerpt, which was published in Politico. Now, the long and short of it is basically this, that the Hillary Clinton campaign in 2015 uh, signed a fundraising agreement with the DNC. In fact, mm-hmm. I've, got the, I've got the political headline for when this happened. DNC announces fundraising agreement with the Clinton campaign. That was from August 27, 2015. Okay. So we have known about this since August 27, 2015. <laughs> this has been uh, on the record, the public record, that we could just go and Google it and find out exactly what the agreement was between Hillary Clinton and the DNC. It involved uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign funding 
uh, helping to bail out the DNC, which was in deep, deep debt at the Mm -hmm. time. And in exchange for that, Hillary Clinton got some control over the DNC. Now, the bottom line is we're talking about a joint fundraising agreement signed between Hillary Clinton and the DNC. But... We, uh, we also turn to Politico. Uh, the date is November 5th, 2015. Mm-hmm. And we see the headline, Sanders Campaign Inc.'s Joint Fundraising Pact with DNC. <laughs> okay. So the bottom line in all of this is both uh, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton and their campaigns signed agreements with the DNC, mainly because this is kind of standard operating procedure for all of this. And, in fact, in Donna Brazil's uh, book excerpt in Politico, uh, she writes here, I discussed the fundraising agreement that each of the candidates had signed. Bernie was familiar with it, but he and his staff ignored it. They had their own way of raising money through small donations. I described how Hillary's campaign had taken it another step. In this excerpt, she she goes on to explain how she contacted Bernie Sanders to let Bernie Sanders know that this is what happened. But the way Donna Brazil is framing it, Despite the fact that both campaigns signed joint fundraising agreements, the way Mm -hmm. Donna Brazil is framing it is this is proof that Hillary Clinton and the DNC conspired to rig the primary process. Yeah, I'm I'm missing something here. And I I, I, let me go back and just give this this little kind of disclaimer. Okay, I know Donna Brazil. I've known her uh, through CNN. She was there uh, as a contributor when I was a correspondent in D.C. I always really liked her. Yeah, she was always really nice to me. Um, personally, I was just fond of her as a person. I was disappointed with the news that came out about how she handed the, the, the questions to Clinton or the topics of debate questions to Clinton. That was a disappointing move. Um, and I, I, you know, reading this, the way it's framed, it's very kind of breathless. I was sad. I was, I, I feared this phone call and I, I just wonder, like, why she's doing this. And that, you know, that to me, and I, I, you know, the the caveat being that I like her and I've never had any issue with her at all. In fact, I was very, I had very positive feelings towards her. Um, But this this strikes me as a a, a strange turn of events. And I don't know if it's just an effort to sell books uh, or to gin up Mm. something that wasn't there. um, Or if I'm missing something. Is this a bigger deal than I think it is? But I I read through it thinking, I'm not... Sure. I, I mean, it, the DNC is so ineffective. Right. Like it, the the crux of the party is not the Democratic National Committee. Like the, the yeah. party's so out of touch. They've got so many problems. Like the DNC tends to be a liability these days more than it tends to be an asset. <laughs> yeah. So why does it matter what the DNC? I mean, if it's putting the finger on the scale in some substantive way where it's stuffing the ballots or it's not uh, playing fair in terms of processes, then I understand mm-hmm. But if you're talking about the DNC fundraising machine, I mean, who cares? Yeah. I, I, I just don't think they're that big of a deal. Nobody's looking at the party infrastructure right now to save the party. Yeah, well, it seems like to me, and then that, the, the point that you made there about the DNC being more of a liability than anything else, I think that's a pretty good point. Because it seemed to me as if Hillary Clinton latching onto the DNC helps the DNC more than the DNC helps Hillary Clinton. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the centerpiece of all of this is how substantively was the DNC's help with Hillary Hillary Clinton. I mean, it was Hillary Clinton giving money to the DNC. It wasn't the DNC saying, okay, here's a giant uh, uh, campaign war chest of uh, uh, $20 million, Hillary. Uh, go have fun here. We're, and by the way, we're not giving the same amount of money to Bernie. That didn't happen. It was the, mm-hmm. it was the other way around. 
And so, and, and, and what I think a lot of this is, and this is a kind of dicey territory, especially when it comes to some of our Bernie supporting listeners. I, I, you know, uh, how do I put this in a way that's as diplomatic as possible? I, I'll just say it. I'm, I'm getting tired of standard operating procedure in American politics uh, being spun in a way that newbies believe that it's a, it's just a brand new thing and therefore it's scandalous. This is something that the, the Democratic Party, that, that a lot of political parties have always engaged in, in terms of the democratic process applying to presidential primaries. It's actually gotten more open as the years have gone by. It's become more small-D democratic as time has gone on. It used to be 100 years ago that you would get people like Donna Brazile and Debbie Wasserman Schultz and maybe Howard Dean and a couple of other uh, 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 party figures into a smoke-filled room, and then they would all go, well, of course the women wouldn't be in there. Just, no, right? <laughs> <laughs> never mind about the women. 100 years ago, it'd be a bunch of guys with cigars in a smoke-filled room, and they decide who the Democratic nominee and the vice presidential nominee are going to be. And it is in the, in the interim, in this uh, last uh, 100 uh, years or so, the primary process has taken over where voters have more of a say in terms of choosing the Democratic Party nominee. Uh, and the same goes for the Republican Party, too. The Republicans are Have you had the benefit of, of seeing LBJ yet? I have not seen the, the Woody okay. Harrelson movie. No, I haven't right. seen it Right, so I, I was lucky enough to get a sneak peek of it. And one of the things that LBJ says, that Woody, uh, by the way, excellent movie. If you're into politics, definitely go see it. I can't it. I wait say to go see it. See, even if you aren't into politics. I mean, Woody Harrelson does an amazing job. I, I love not Woody Harrelson. The, the Brian Cranston portrayal, and some people said, oh, you know, he played LBJ, and but this was really good. I was literally on the edge of my seat because it's a part of that history that I didn't know very well, Yeah, uh, and it's recreated. It moves. It's not a it's it's not a dragging movie. Like, everything moves very quickly. It's mm-hmm. incredibly well done. But anyway, um, one of the things that he says at the time when he's running, uh, they're talking about the, the nomination for the party, and he says, you know, the, the nominee is picked on the convention floor. It's not, and not yeah. until you get to the convention floor and that was the time when you know Kennedy was starting to win it in the primaries it was like you don't have time to wait to declare if you're going to run and so I, I think that that's what you're talking about is the shift from when the party would choose who the nominee was versus how the people are now choosing who the nominee is earlier and earlier yeah exactly and in fact if you were to rewind to say 2004 for example when everyone you know the, I think the people I think the Democratic Party base wanted Howard Dean to be the nominee and then it ended up becoming John Kerry. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that John Kerry uh, was kind of handpicked by the DNC. We're going to, it's your turn. You're going to mm-hmm. be our guy this time around. And, you know, there'll be the other, these other people, but, but we're supporting you, John Kerry. And, that, and then John Kerry eventually goes on to win the nomination because he's got the assistance of the, uh, the party establishment. And I think that process is, you know, that, that's the sort of thing that happens every time there's another. Uh, presidential election around the corner. There are deals made on the side. None of what Donna Brazile is suggesting in this article or in this excerpt is against the law. None of it is against the DNC statutes or the, the, mm-hmm. the, the rules of fair play at the DNC. Whether or not, and I have never denied that Hillary Clinton cut a deal with the DNC. In fact, going back to 2015, I have been saying all along that, and this is just my theory on the outside looking in, that if Hillary Clinton was going to run for president, she was not going to leave herself open to another 2007-2008 debacle with, mm-hmm, a, with an upstart mm-hmm. candidate coming in and the DNC split and the superdelegates split and there's all kinds of chaos. She didn't want that kind of 
harrowing primary process. Again, she got it anyway. <laughs> I mean, it happened. <laughs> it didn't happen with the same severity as when Obama was the uh, the opponent, because certainly Obama did better in the primaries than Bernie Sanders did. But the fact of the matter is that uh, Hillary Clinton was still up against an upstart challenger. Uh, that turned her her campaign process into a much more difficult endeavor. And well, I think, also, too, I mean, I think there was this sense of inevitability with the Clinton campaign. Yes. Um, I think people felt like there was this, a little bit of hubris, like a, this is my turn, I earned this. Mm-hmm. And I think that that turned a lot of people off. And yeah. uh, it, it, it's frustrating even to this day. You know, there are some, as I work on this Russia stuff, there are some, uh, you know, gung-ho Clinton supporters who are seeing the Russia investigation as an opportunity to reinstate Clinton as the rightful owner of the White House kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. And I have to remind them that, A, this is not about that. Yeah. Uh, and B, you know, much of the electorate, Clinton was not Trump. Right. And it wasn't pro-Clinton so much as it was not Trump. Yeah. And I, I hate to say that because... I don't mean to knock the fact that she was the first woman candidate and she definitely deserved it in terms of uh, capability, right? This was Mm -hmm. an incredibly qualified woman. Um, But a lot of us who didn't like her when she ran against Obama continued to not like her so much when she ran a second time. There were reasons for that. Um, And I include myself in that. I voted voted for Bernie in the primary and Mm -hmm. then, you know, obviously for her against Trump in the general election. Um, And it wasn't for lack of a qualification, but but there was a sense of like, you don't just step into it because you're a Clinton. And I I think people overlook that um, a lot of times when they talk about uh, the, the the reasons why she had such difficulty. Well, yeah, and, but that said, too, I also think that Hillary Clinton is seen through an amplified lens. And see if I can explain that. She, Hil- sure. when, when Hillary Clinton does something that all politicians do, for some reason, Hillary Clinton's move along those lines is amplified in terms oh, of its yes. level of controversy. No doubt. And I think they should just kind of leave her alone for a while. Yeah. I mean, the fact that she gets dragged into everything <laughs> is hysterical. Hysterical. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's like, come on, people. I mean, the uranium one deal, I, you know, the, the analogy I made here is that, you know, she's somehow responsible for a deal that she had nothing to do with. Mm-hmm. And yet Trump is somehow exonerated from deals <laughs> that had to do with guys who are in his immediate campaign circle. Yeah. It's yeah. like she's seven degrees removed from all of this. It's like, it's her fault. Right. On top Meanwhile, of his campaign manager and campaign staff is, is wholeheartedly embroiled in the Russia investigation. And they're like, nah, it happened before he hired the guy. <laughs> right. None of this. OK, let's let's put it this way. Uh, two weeks ago, everyone was saying, Hillary Clinton, you need to sit down and shut up. Enough of right. Hillary. Why does it, why does she keep talking? Why, why, why? And so it seems like since then. The Republicans have gone down the road of Uranium One, and they've tried, they're trying to somehow turn the, the Steele dossier into Hillary colluding with Russia somehow, some way, which is completely lost on me. But then also, now you have this with Donna Brazil in this book excerpt. And I, I got to tell you, I, I completely agree with you about Donna Brazil. I have no bone to pick with Donna Brazil. I, I just think this is weird. This accusation. It's strange, yeah. Yeah, again, is. is oh, a, also, you forgot that Harvey Weinstein was Clinton's fault, too. Yes, that's right. I forgot about that. So we have, we've got three things now since that's Hillary Clinton was told to sit down and shut up that, she, she, that she's been attacked with. The expectations is she shouldn't respond because she's had her turn and she needs to sit down and shut up. But nevertheless, I mean, I, you know, I, I, going back to the. I don't see Newt Gingrich sitting down and shutting up. 
Yeah, no, certainly Talk not. Talk about someone whose time is over. Yeah, I mean, again, there's a, a double standard when it comes to Hillary Clinton. And, and you know, again, I, I want to emphasize the fact that I have no skin in the game when it comes to Hillary Clinton. I supported her during the general election. I don't have the same sort of vitriolic hatred of her that that a lot of people do, or some people do on the left, mm-hmm. uh, or on the right for that matter. But at the same time, I'm looking at this and I'm going, is any of this out of the ordinary? Is any of this unusual? I mean, I look back to like 1996. Was anyone coming out of Bob Dole's loss in, in 1996 and saying, why was he acting as if it was his turn? Because you know what? It was his turn. The reason Bob Dole got the nomination in 1996 from the Republican Party is because they saw it as being his turn. He was the, uh, he was the sort of the wise old man in the, in the Republican Party, and it, and it came down to uh, not necessarily a matter of a lottery. It came down to the RNC going, all right, well, Bob Dole has been waiting a long time, so we're going to make it Bob Dole. Yeah, and so, but I mean, again, there was no. Oh, look at her thing. Look, look at Bob Dole. He thinks he's going to be the president because it's his turn and he's entitled to it. That didn't, it didn't happen, and I don't understand why. Well, I certainly do understand. This is more of a rhetorical. I don't understand why Hillary Clinton uh, is subjected to what I consider to be unfair standards that mm-hmm. no one else is, is That's fair to say. To. Yeah. That's fair to say. It's definitely different with her, for sure. Yeah. And, and then, of course, then this circles back to this, uh, this story uh, from Donna Brazil, which is, again, it, it, whatever agreement Hillary Clinton signed with the DNC, Bernie signed the same agreement, although the difference is, is that Bernie didn't take advantage of that agreement and Hillary Clinton did. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, to me, it, it, it weighs out to just be just about the same. And Hillary Clinton actually applying the terms of her agreement is nothing illegal. There is no rigging here. This is just seeking political advantage. And seeking political advantage, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I, you know, the, the rules that I learned about, there's no, uh, th- there's no crime in seeking a political advantage over your opponents and tipping the scale as heavily as you can in your own favor. I thought that was the, the whole point of the game. Right. To you take do advantage that. of what you can, for sure. So what may seem yeah, aggravating, you know, it's not it's not that unusual. So that's that's my thing with this Donna Brazil piece. But you know, moving on, let's move on to uh to Donald Trump here before we uh before we take a short break. Um this was happening. This is a series of remarks by Donald Trump and then what his own staff said in response to those remarks. Throughout the course of just yesterday alone, this was just through Wednesday alone. First of all, Trump said the legal system was a joke. And then Sarah Huckabee Sanders said that Donald Trump never said that. Oh, he never said that the legal system is a joke. When we have video of him saying the legal system is a joke, then, then Donald Trump said, I am not under investigation. And then John Kelly in an interview said, Donald Trump is under investigation. <laughs> So, so, so it's like, and then and then Trump said, "I might send the uh, New York City terrorism suspect to Gitmo," and then the Department of Justice says, "Nope, we're charging him in federal court." So this was an, a day in which Donald Trump said one thing, and his White House staff said something exactly the opposite of what the president said, and this is nothing new. It just it, it throughout the course of Wednesday, it happened over and over and over again. It was like a singularity of madness coming out of the White House yesterday. Where I don't knows? know why we still cover the press briefings. There's not a single <laughs> ounce right. of truth that comes out of that. I mean, I'm yeah. watching, I'm watching the, the cable news networks and I was trying to watch the hearings about how Facebook and Twitter and Google were manipulated during the election. Mm-hmm. 
for Russian interference, and I had to go to C-SPAN 3 to get it. And I'm thinking, <laughs> why is it that these networks are covering the lies coming from the podium versus the truth coming out of Congress? That's right. Like, we should be elevating the issues that actually matter as opposed to this woman who day in and day out just lies. And they cover it. They put it on television live. I mean, it's no better than covering a Trump rally from beginning to end. Yeah. She's not telling you the truth. Nothing you're going to get out of her is the truth. So you can write an article saying she lied again. Like, where does that get us? Why don't you... You know, somebody said, like, Woodward and Bernstein didn't spend their days at White House press briefings. Yeah. Like, you're not going to get any news out of that. Let's do some homework, people. Let's go out into the field. Let's start to figure out what's going on in this country. But sitting there and listening to this woman spew lie after lie isn't mm-hmm. getting us anywhere. It's totally a waste of airtime. Yeah, and you, you have to wonder if the Oval Office can't communicate with the press room, if Trump can't communicate with his own press secretary, how the hell are these guys communicating with uh, foreign leaders, foreign governments, uh, anyone, anyone outside of the White House, anyone outside of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue? It's a miracle that there's any communication that is consistent whatsoever. Because they can't even coordinate, the president can't even coordinate with his chief of staff, who's on the other side of a door right outside the Oval Office. They can't get their story straight. Right? But, uh, but we're to expect that the, uh, the Trump White House is doing a fantastic, the most tremendous job when it comes to foreign policy and, and dealing with uh, you know, people like Kim Jong-un. Like, I, I wonder, right. <laughs> this... this Alleged back channel uh, quiet diplomacy that's going on, maybe possibly through Rex Tillerson. I mean, how is that? How is that sort of communication going on? When again, Donald Trump is contradicted multiple times a day, not by his political opponents, but by his by own his staff. Staff, yeah, yeah. And so this is. I the, don't know. I mean, this is again. Uh, uh, this is what happens when you elect people who are completely out of their depth. To be president of the United States. This is well, that and his staff. I mean, you're talking yeah. about a relatively incompetent group of people who have no experience. And I mean, Sam Clovis is a great example. Oh this yeah, guy's got no sign. I mean, thank God he withdrew his nomination, his own nomination. But you're putting people who not only are unqualified for their position up for nominations to head departments, but also people who have actively worked against the departments they're being nominated to lead. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I want to I want to talk about Sam Clovis. I also remind me to mention Maggie Haberman. Oh, okay. New York Times. Yeah. Yeah. When we're uh, when we're you done got a talk- beef? You got a Maggie beef? Well, yeah, I do. But it's okay. It's it's well, it's more of a beef with Donald Trump, but it does include having a beef with uh, Maggie Haberman because that's not a shock because Haberman is basically like Donald Trump's in at the uh, the New York Times. And so yeah, whatever, he calls her whenever he's feeling sad. Yeah, calls her Very up and sad. G- gives her quotes, and then she just public runs off and publishes those quotes. <laughs> and that's just—I mean, how convenient is that? The fake failing New York Times that uh, Donald Trump has uh, <laughs> as a person on the inside. Uh, but before we talk about, we're going to get into Russia here in a second. Before we talk about Maggie Haberman and 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 why uh, she and Donald Trump really uh, annoyed me yesterday, let's talk about let's talk about shopping. Now, if you've been following Ooh. the show, right? You know, we lost our Amazon link, and I don't want to go into all the details as to why. Suffice to say, it was because I was saying support the show by shopping through the Amazon link. 
Which wasn't the... Which ex- is what I thought that's what the whole point of having an Amazon <laughs> link was. Yeah, you'd think that, wouldn't you? Like, No? Am I wrong on that? I mean, how do you distinguish between uh, just typing in Amazon.com into your browser versus going to BobSeska.com and clicking that link? You th- 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 I would do that because I want to support the show. Bingo. Yes. Thank you. So but I'm not allowed to say that. We can't see. We can't say that, and that's that was the problem. That's why, for some reason, they decided that this infraction against their terms of service was a termination-worthy crime. So <laughs> we're no longer associated with Amazon.com. So you can eliminate those bookmarks. Don't even bother going trying to go shop through uh, our link or anything like that. Instead. Use our new Target link and our new eBay link. We have now two two shopping links, one for uh, Target.com, Target, as, as some people call it, and mm. for uh, all of your uh, your favorite auctions at uh, at eBay.com. I got, uh, a, I got a Target plug. Oh, yeah. First yeah. of all, you, you, you can't walk into Target for one thing and not come out with like $100 worth of stuff. <laughs> I know. It's, it's always 100 It's actually just humanly impossible. <laughs> yeah. And second, now that I'm dating somebody with children, Target's a really nice one-stop shop. Absolutely. And not only I had you- no idea the extent of stuff they have. <laughs> the, the great thing about Target, too, and, and ordering online through our link is that you can, uh, I believe you can order and then you can go pick up your items at your local Target location. That's right. pretty cool. So uh, all you have to do is go to bobseska.com instead instead of going directly to Target or eBay.com. And once you've arrived at the podcast page, just click the all caps Target or eBay links just beneath the logo on the main page. It takes you directly to the front page of, uh, of those sites. You go shopping as normal, but if you use our link, we get a small commission from everything you buy, something the Federal Trade Commission is, uh, is requiring all of us to say directly to you to disclose that information. So there you go. <laughs> Somehow that's different from saying support the show, I guess. Uh, By the way, that costs you nothing extra, and uh, you just go shopping as normal. And if you own a small business, be sure to source all of your supplies through our links. That's toner cartridges, backup batteries, paper clips, printer paper, etc. Of course, Target has a wide supply of... uh, of office supplies and things like that. Use our link when you restock your supplies. And don't forget to bookmark these links. That's the bobseska.com target link and our eBay link with all kinds of nerdy fun memorabilia there, too. It is the only way to shop. The Bob Seska Show. The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Yes, welcome back to our Tuesday show with Jackie Schechter right here. Uh, Going to dig into uh, all the Russia news happening right now. Um, okay. I, let's get into Maggie Haberman first. You know, okay. there are all kinds of these, all kinds of conflicting reports coming out of the White House yesterday in terms of, uh, of uh, Donald Trump's reaction to the indictments handed out on Monday. In fact, one of my favorite pieces of the week was a, uh, a Gabe Sherman article in the uh, in Vanity Fair. And this article covered so many wonderful things. You know, we, we've, Jackie, and, and I'm sure you're just as, uh, as beleaguered as anyone uh, dealing with all of this crap, ha- coming down all this bad news, one thing after another. Uh, it's just an ongoing hellscape of tragedy and, uh, and, and misfortune and incompetence coming out of the Trump White House. But this, this news coming down from uh, Vanity Fair was so much fun. To, uh, to, to dig into and to read through. Um, just the chaos 
that is occurring inside the White House right now as things get closer and closer to Trump inner circle people being indicted by the uh, the Mueller investigation. Does that surprise you? I mean, he's surrounded himself with a bunch of sycophants. Well, yeah. And so it's not surprising that as the investigation draws closer and closer that he's going to get more and more frustrated. Right, right. Well, that's, yeah. And he's going to get, by, by frustrated, uh, he's going to start going really crazy. I mean, he's, uh, you know, this is... What we've seen from Donald Trump so far is going to magnify a thousandfold if this gets anywhere close to. But him he has or his such self control over his emotions. That's right. He's got the best temperament. He's got <laughs> the finest temperament. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. best, the greatest temperament. Uh, so uh, let's start out here with this thing. First of all, uh, Sam Nunberg, who is a uh, former Trump campaign aide and still a diehard Trump supporter, by the way. I checked his Twitter feed yesterday. <laughs> But he's, got a, he's quoted here by name in this Vanity Fair piece where he said, here's what Manafort's indictment tells me. Mueller is going to go over every financial dealing of Jared Kushner and the Trump organization, said former Trump campaign aide Sam Nunberg. Trump is, a, is at 33% in Gallup. You can't go any lower. He's fucked. <laughs> that is... <laughs> That I heard that quote the other day. That's fantastic. Awesome, awesome, <laughs> awesome. I just love reading crap like that. And I think we all deserve to read a little bit like that after so much suffering that has occurred over the past year now. We're coming up on one year since Election Day. And it's just been one bad news story after another. And sometimes this, man, I suck it down like Coca-Cola. Uh, let's see. Going yeah, I mean, on. I'm glad people are saying it. I just wish more would have done it sooner. And I have no sympathy for those who chose to work for this White House and then now claim they want out. I was reading yeah. something. I didn't get into it because I don't really care how miserable Fox employees are. <laughs> but there was a headline about how they're not happy about the coverage of the indictments. Well, boo-hoo on you. Quit your job. Like, <laughs> if you chose to work for Fox News to begin with, then that's on you. That's and if right. you haven't quit already, quit already, then that's on you. And if you haven't quit the Trump campaign already, that's on you. Like, yep. there, There's a moment at which you have to make a, a decision as to where the, you want your career to go and the morality behind your choices. And frankly, you do have a choice yeah. and, and to decide to work, you know, all of us have, and not all, but a, a lot of people have choices as to where they're going to work, especially in this kind of industry. You know, it's a different thing if you need to work in a several minimum wage jobs to keep your family afloat. Like sometimes you just kind of have to take whatever you can take. And I understand that. But if you're maneuvering through the world of broadcast television, don't tell me that Fox is all you've got. Yeah. Right. Or in politics that the Trump administration is all you can do. Like, that's a conscious decision to go down that, that moral low road. Yeah. Well, here's, a, I mean, here's the thing with all of this, is that they all knew who Donald Trump was. He's not some sort of unknown who appeared on the political stage out of nowhere, like, like say, for example, Barack Obama. It was very little known before he decided to uh, run for president. Mm -hmm. uh, broadly speaking, as in mainstream circles, he was like, who is this guy? Donald Trump, it wasn't like that for Donald Trump. Donald Trump was the host of a popular reality show for 20 12 years on top mm -hmm. of being just this notorious sort of tabloid figure for 20 years prior to that. So like, no one knows who Donald Trump is. No one knows who, how Donald Trump operates. No one knows. Of course they know. So when they get in there and they start working for him and they see what happens up close and it confirms all the crap that we all already knew. And then they say, oh, I didn't know. Uh, now we're backing away. Well, where were you? Uh, you know, a year or two years, two and a half years ago, when this madness began. And yeah, nothing we've learned about him since he became president wasn't abundantly clear before he even won the nomination. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, I, you know, on one hand, I'm willing to encourage more senators like Jeff Flake or... Uh, 
uh, or Bob Corker, to come, John McCain, for that matter, to come out and, and, and oppose Donald Trump and, and really take a hard stand against uh, 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 what he's doing. But at the same time, it's just like, well, you know what? The, the Pandora's box is already open. All this madness has already escaped into the world. You know, it's the, coming out now and saying something is not going to rebottle that madness. It's it's mm-hmm. out there already, and and now it's just a matter of f- a few people here and there nibbling around the edges of this this unbelievable singularity of of insanity. You know, and so thanks, thanks, thanks for coming forward when it really mattered, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, so West Wing advisors are on edge and running away from any mentions of Russia. According to a source, this is again back to the Gabe Sherman piece, advisors in the West Wing are on edge and doing whatever they can not to be ensnared. One person close to Dina Powell and Gary Cohn said they're making sure to leave rooms if the subject of Russia comes up. Oh, come on. So they're crapping themselves. That's, uh, that's good to know. Uh, there's no path of early escape for Trump. The consensus among advisors say that uh, Trump faces few good options to thwart Mueller. For one, firing Mueller could cross a red line, analogous to Saturday Night Massacre, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. His options are limited, and his instinct is to come out swinging, which won't help things, said a prominent yeah. Republican close to the White House. <laughs> you know, what was, uh, where there's a, a great sound for that. It's this. Yes, exactly right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Trump wants to freak out publicly, but he can't. This is also <laughs> great fucking news. Uh, meanwhile, Trump is pissed as his, as his legal team. He's been talking about maybe bringing in someone to uh, preside over his legal team above t- Ty Cobb. That I heard, yeah. Trying to get somebody who would be a little less amenable. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then this is, to me, this is the juiciest piece of the, uh, the Vanity Fair article. Uh, Speaking to Steve Bannon on Tuesday, Trump blamed Jared Kushner for his role in decisions, specifically the firings of Mike Flynn and James Comey, that led to Mueller's appointment, according to a source briefed on the call. When Roger Stone recently told Trump that Kushner was giving him bad political advice, Trump agreed, according to someone familiar with the conversation. Quote, Jared is the worst political advisor in the White House in modern history. Oh, this is again, Sam Nunberg is saying this. <laughs> I, I'm only saying publicly what everyone says behind the scenes at Fox News and conservative media, media and the Senate and Congress. So, that's, so it seems like no one likes Jared Kushner. Everyone thinks Jared Kushner from, should go, including Donald Trump, which raises the question, why hasn't Donald Trump fired Jared Kushner yet? And the answer to that he's married question, to his daughter. There you go. That's exactly right. This is, it's a family thing. And that's why. Yeah, but also the news, as we're, we're talking now, the news has come out that the that the special counsel Robert Mueller has taken a closer look at Kushner and specifically mm. his role that he played in the firing of James Comey, or at least in giving advice to fire James Comey. So he's turned over documents and CNN is reporting that the special counsel is now taking a closer look at that. So it seems like this is all heating up around Kushner a little bit, which is not surprising because he is yeah. the one who's in the middle of a lot of this stuff. Uh, and I think that my sense is that this family has a real sense of, uh, that it's that it's uh, immune to uh, the norms of our judicial system. The way that I mean, I, I was laughing because I know that when President Trump was talking about how our judicial system was a joke, he was talking about it in regard to terrorism. Yeah. Uh, but I was thinking to myself, well, gosh, it is kind of a joke because he's still a free man. Oh God. I mean, this is this is a man who's broken the law over and over again and has defrauded and scammed and somehow maneuvered his way out of being in jail. 
Uh, and now here we are. So, yep. you know, yeah, I mean, it is in some ways a joke in the laughing stock because he's still a free man. Yeah, and that's one of the main reasons why I want him to get nabbed in all of this, Jackie. It's because he's been able to, uh, to use an overused cliche, he's been able to walk between the raindrops for way mm-hmm. too long to get away with one thing after another. And, you know, one of the things I always uh, recall whenever I'm doing this list is the Central Park Five. How he's uh-huh. never he's never held yeah. accountable for the Central Park Five and what he did to those people, uh, you know. And, and on top of all kinds of other illegal activities that I'm sure he's uh, he's gotten away with along the line. Plus, you know, I mean, the sexual assault, the all of the terrible things he said Trump during the campaign. Trump University sexual assault. Trump University, the, yeah, the, yeah. I mean, it's just it, a there's long, no long, end to it. He's a terrible human being, and yes. I think if those. Apprentice tapes ever came out. You, I mean, look, I don't know that there'd ever be anything on those tapes that was worse than what we've already seen and heard. Uh, but that would, you know, that would be even more evidence. Yeah. Well, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I, I don't think a PP tape or an Access Hollywood or, uh, or an Apprentice tape of him saying the N word or whatever. I don't think that's going to really damage him. I think at this mm-hmm. point, it really has to be: we are now charging you with obstruction of justice. We are charging you with witness tampering. We are charging mm-hmm. you conspiracy against the United States. Conspiracy against the United States. Tax evasion, money laundering. I mean, look at the 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 list of Mueller untouchables who mm-hmm. are who have been assembled to address all of these very specific things. And, and I hope that it gets down to Donald Trump. I mean, I certainly want to see Junior go down. No doubt about that. Junior, just because he's a dick. I want to yeah. see Donald oh Trump Oh my Jr. God, that, that picture of his daughter <laughs> on Halloween. Yeah. I mean, I wrote this on Twitter. Like, it takes a special kind of asshole to manipulate your child to make a shitty political point on Halloween. Right. Right. I mean, you've got to be like some kind of special special asshole for that to, to be something that you think of doing. Right. Oh, and of course, of it's course. a completely misreading of what socialism was. The, the tweet Of course, you went there. around asking for handouts. Like... <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for that reason. felt too wrong. Right. But, I mean, for that reason and so many others, good Lord, can we l- at least, Lordy, can we get Donald Trump Jr. ensconced yeah, in all right? this? And I, I, I really hope uh, that, that he is. Uh, by the way, you had a great point. Uh, and Ooh, this I is did? Just, what point well, did I just, I Because I just <laughs> remembered you were making that point, and I just remembered a point that you made on Twitter uh, earlier today. And it had to do with the terrorism attack in New York, which we haven't really talked about, but I don't know how much there actually is to cover. Other than maybe this, there's Donald Trump saying stupidly, like blurting on Twitter, jeopardizing the prosecution, that there should be the death penalty in this case of this, uh, this attacker uh, in New York City from the other day. And, and, and your point was basically like, oh, so now the death penalty is supposed to be a deterrent against terrorists who commit, who, who are suicide bombers, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, th- their intention is to kill themselves along with other people, either death by police or suicide by police, or they strap C4 to their chests and they walk into a cafe. That is what they do. How is, how is the death penalty, the threat of that, going to somehow dissuade them from killing themselves using bombs. I don't Yeah, understand. it came out of, because I was in the car, I listened to a lot of news on Sirius in the yeah. car uh, to and from so that I don't fall behind. Cause right. Because Lord knows it's oh, I know. breaking. The tennis ball machine. I do. It's the best. It's the best investment I ever made. Maybe we can get serious to sponsor your podcast because I, I literally, I leave the house, I turn it right on in the car and I don't miss a beat. So I'm listening and I don't know who it is because I can't see 
who the guy is yeah. who's defending the death penalty exclamation because he says that people abroad see it and they know that our president isn't messing around and that yeah. I you know who's the moron who said it because I couldn't I didn't know the name uh, but then I said well these people this is what makes terrorists so so dangerous they don't fear death right there there is no like they're not afraid to die in the process of carrying out their jihad. Yeah. So uh, in this particular case, there's obviously other kinds of terrorism. I don't want to imply that it's all uh, Islamic, but um, you know, in this particular case, when you have people who are willing to commit these heinous crimes, they know they're either going to get killed, or they end up strapping some sort of explosive to themselves or taking their own lives. So death is not a deterrent. It's not a deterrent in the moment, and it's mm -hmm. not going to be a deterrent through the legal system. Yeah. So the president claiming to be this faux tough guy by screaming in all caps death penalty on Twitter uh, is absurd to think that, that <laughs> ISIS is going to be somehow deterred by that. You're a moron. I, I just, I'm just so exhausted by media outlets giving megaphones to morons. It, absolutely. Just, and not fighting back. I mean, that Joanne Reed, uh, when Joy Reed, I say Joanne because it's her Twitter nomaker, but uh, right. when Joy Reed took that woman to task. I don't know if you guys saw it. I know it was going around. It was amazing. She took the woman to task over the Uranium One deal. And she basically, there was a woman who was blaming Clinton for Uranium One and, and Joy Reid broke it down bit by bit by bit to the woman's face and basically said, like, answer me this. And the woman couldn't answer her, right? Because it was all baloney. Mm -hmm. And Ali Velshi and Stephanie Rule have done this with lawmakers on several occasions. When they come on the show to lie, they counter them in real time with facts. Yeah. And they don't let them get away with just spewing and getting off the air. And I just wish we had more of that. Instead of letting these people come on and arguing the Donald Trump side, I wish that, that we would be holding these people accountable for the lies they were spewing and checking them in real time. Yep. And not just saying, well, that's your opinion, because there are such things as facts. Yeah. And unless you bombard these people with facts, get them to the point where they don't want to come on your show because they're afraid of being <laughs> confronted. Right. Do that. That's great, because if you have room on the air for people who know what they're talking about by getting rid of the people who don't, then we've made some progress. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I was talking about this on the show, I don't know what it was, last week maybe, or the week before. It doesn't matter, but the, the, the point I was making is that there's something that's going on in cable news and has been going on for quite a while now that needs to stop. And it was made manifest by, by Rachel, Maddow show, Rachel Maddow's show. By following that show... As closely as I have over the past year, certainly I've been watching for a long, long time, but of course, religiously now, every damn night I'm watching that show, just mm. to keep tabs on every detail of what's going on. And the, the thing that Rachel does that no other cable news shows do is Rachel has experts and journalists on her show. She doesn't have the quote-unquote political analysts. She doesn't have the, the uh, sort of the Van Jones or Jeffrey Lord types, uh, one representing either side. No. And, and, and so that, by having experts infuse that information into Rachel's broadcast, obviously elevates that show way above the people who are just paid to argue. People like me. I don't think you should have people like me on the cable news shows anymore. <laughs> I'm defeating my own purpose here, but the fact is that the political analysts, I think, don't add anything other than the shovel fight. And, mm -hmm. and maybe that's what the cable networks are looking to do, just the shovel, shovel fight. But instead, what they should be doing is they should be having these, uh, these experts on and, and taking, uh, taking notes from be... Rachel. It used to be news, yeah, right? Like you would read a news story. You you could do a what we call a package, right? It was like a pre-produced segment about a news story, which yeah. would give you all of the information contained. Mm -hmm. But what they've 
become now is they give you a 20-second blurb of something that they read in the Washington Post or the New York Times, and then they bring 18 people on to talk about it. Yeah. There's no presentation of, of factual evidence. Yes, that's right. It's how do you feel about this? And to me, feelings are not news. If you want to run a talk show, run a talk show. But if you're running a news network, then present the news. Go out and do your research and find out what the evidence is to support either side of a story. Yeah. But if there is no other side to the story, giving somebody who has a political agenda a megaphone to spread the falsities yeah. is irresponsible. Well, the, uh, the side effect of all of this, too, is that look who's uh, toward the top of the heap when it comes to ratings on cable news right now. It's not, it's not one of the afternoon shovel fight shows. It's mm -hmm. Rachel Maddow. It's Rachel Maddow and her uh, expert guests and the way she recursively puts all of these uh, news stories together into some cohesive unit. That It's those things that make Rachel so compelling. And, and I think the rest of cable could take a real lesson from that. It's not about, and the misperception is that Rachel is just another uh, partisan flamethrower, which she's absolutely not. I mean, I, you know, I'll, I mean, she voices her, her opinion and she's on the left. But the show is not about Rachel Maddow's opinion, necessarily. It's about an assembly of facts and assembly of stories in order to create a narrative. And that's what's, that's what's so fascinating and interesting about it. And I think that more cable news, cable news uh, producers and executives would do well to take that as the note uh, for, for how to improve the rest of the programming. So, but, I mean, before we take a break, I... I I've completely forgot to go back to the... I mentioned Maggie Haberman a bunch of times. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, where am I with Maggie Haberman? It's not that big a deal, but it was just as frustrating as anything else that was going on yesterday. Trump picks up the phone, calls Maggie Haberman, and gives her a bunch of quotes in response to not only Robert Koss's piece in the, uh, the Washington Post about what was happening behind the scenes during the indictments being handed down, but also in response to the Vanity Fair piece that I was just uh, reading a second ago. So Donald Trump calls up Maggie Haberman, and says a couple of things. He said, uh, I am not under investigation, as you know, which is, of course, a lie because Donald Trump is under investigation. He's under investigation, for, at the very least, for obstruction of justice. Meanwhile, his campaign is under severe investigation for uh, a conspiracy against the United States. So Donald Trump lies to Maggie Haberman. Do we have a correction of the record here in, in this article to say, well, Don in, in fact, Donald Trump is under investigation for obstruction of justice? No, no, no. <laughs> of course not there. Uh, he said uh, that the indictments had nothing to do with us, which is also false. He also hmm. said, I'm actually not angry at anybody. Oh, that's funny. And as a generic comment, does anyone possibly believe that is true? Don no, of course not. <laughs> I think it was Chris Hayes last night that said, like, in, in no in, in, at no time in history has that ever been true. Yeah. Like, at, at no time in history has anybody ever come out with a denial like that that's actually been true. Right. Right. Donald Trump is angry at everyone. It's like, uh, it's like uh, this is my second reference to the Hulk and the Avengers in, in mm -hmm. the, like, the last seven days, which is uh, Donald, Donald Trump's secret is that he's always angry. He's always, yeah. he's, and, and the, the exception is when he pretends to not be angry. But this is the grievance presidency. Make no mistake, we all know this by now. And it's just, it's so funny to me when Donald Trump calls up the fake news, the alleged fake news, the, the failing New York Times, and offers these quotes, and then the New York Times does nothing 
to suggest anything opposite to fact check Donald Trump in real time to say, well, yes, he is under investigation. Yes, yeah. this is an administration that's built on the grievances of upper middle aged white men. Uh, <laughs> this is this is what we're dealing with. And they, of course, Maggie Haberman. And so does not does not do that sort of thing. And it's just it's it's so uh, what do you call it? It's so contradictory. I don't understand what it is. It is, it is, is it a, um, an effort to maintain some semblance of normalcy? Like you would give the president of the benefit of the doubt, yeah. the president, the benefit of the doubt in any other administration. Like, is that, I, I think that's it. I, I think the only way some journalists it's a failure to acknowledge that this is abnormal. Yes, exactly right. And you know who else is guilty of that is Philip Rucker at the uh, the Washington Post. They so desperately and and Mark Halperin, who is now Mark Halperin is now so Oh, well, his career is in an interesting spot <laughs> yeah, right now. He's busily I think he's got bigger things to worry about than, than whether Trump's telling the truth. Yeah, he stopped working on his new book instead to write uh, thank you notes to Kevin Spacey. That's what <laughs> Mark Halperin is doing right now. Uh, because Mark, we're not talking about Mark Halpern this week because of. By like, the way, the Kevin Spacey, Spacey yeah. not news to me. I yeah. I know I personally know somebody who had an encounter with Kevin Spacey. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. As as a young, I mean, not underage, but as a young man. Um, so that was not surprising to me when I heard that that information. Yeah, I was aware of Kevin Spacey's sexuality. Uh, I, and I I was also aware of his relationship, his business at least, his business relationship with Brian Singer, and then if you know mm. Brian Singer's background, he had some accusations uh, a while ago, too. The director, Brian Singer, from the X-Men and Unusual Suspects and, and so on. Um, and so I, I kind of connected the dots a little bit <laughs> there mm. on my own. Uh, but yeah, not, not, not surprising at all. But nevertheless, so uh, you have all of these writers who want desperately, again, Philip Rucker, Maggie Haberman, Mark Halperin, who all want to take Trump and stick them into... To, to stick Trump and Trumpism into their standard operating script yeah. for how to cover a presidential uh, yeah. administration. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they're trying very hard to make something normal out of this, and it's not. And I wonder if that's because that, that's what they want to do or if that's all they know how to do. Because, I mean, some of these reporters are smart people. They're certainly experienced. But the, I don't think they're very good at shifting with the changing times. And so, therefore, I think that some of them are trying to wedge Donald Trump. It's like trying to stick the, the golden or the, uh, the, what is it, the, the glass slipper on the, uh, the ugly stepsister's foot. You know, the big fat and trying to jam it on there. You're not going to be able to jam your old traditional political template onto the Donald Trump administration. This is not going to work. So don't even fucking try. I but think it's probably anyway. tricky, too. I mean, I, I, you know, you and I are lucky in that we're in a position where we're able to give our opinions yeah. and we're able to look at things from an outside perspective. But I would imagine if you're still operating within the parameters of a traditional news operation, mm -hmm. that there is still some pressure to try to maintain a sense of independence yeah. and to, to hide your political lean, um, but to try very hard to think, okay, am I being too harsh? Yeah. Am I being too biased? Am I being, am I not taking this from a position that I, like, I can see that. I can see where that could be a challenge. I mean, look, if you look at it reasonably, the answer is no. Like, you're, you're a reasonable human thinking, a thinking human being, and, and what we're seeing is what we're seeing. Yeah. 
But I can understand that there might be the temptation to reevaluate your interpretation of what you're hearing and seeing because it is so far-fetched. Yeah. Well, you know, Jackie, I'm sure maybe you've had this conversation or you had this conversation with uh, with Chez at some point. I know that, that we used to have this chat all the time on the show talking about how the, the drive anymore among, or I'd say the bias anymore among uh, reporters and journalists and, and certainly some of the... Uh, opinion journalists, <laughs> for that matter, uh, their bias is for clicks. It's not necessarily for politics. It's not necessarily for some sort of ideological bias. Um, that's, I think, what you see more often than not. Certainly there are reporters who uh, somehow are less professional than the, most, than the rest, mm-hmm. and they, they do mm-hmm. inject their bias somehow into their, into their uh, straight news reporting. But for the most part, what you see in terms of that bias is just a bias to be First on a story, which means getting a story out there as quickly as possible, even if it's a little bit wrong when it first drops. And, mm-hmm. the, sto- and, the, and the bias is always to accumulate as many hits as possible. And that involves creating a, a sensationalistic headline, a sensationalistic lead, or packaging it away in social media that draws as many viewers to it as possible. And that is the real drive anymore. The whole idea, the whole outdated notion, going back to Spiro fucking Agnew, that there's some <laughs> sort of liberal media bias that is skewing news stories to the left, is absolute bullshit. And it always has been bullshit. And, and there are many layers to this. There have been books written about this. I'm not going to go into all the details. But really now, now not, this is just an outmoded, outdated idea that it's all about, oh, let's, let's promote the left. Let's go after Donald Trump because we hate Donald Trump because we're liberals. That's not, going on. That's not going on at all, really. At least in the more traditional A-list level uh, uh, journalism going on. So. No, I mean, the real scandal is that the cable networks read the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times and the Washington Post and just yep. regurgitate their stories for television. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the, the worst-kept secret or the, or the best-kept secret of the morning meetings at the cable networks. How do we take reporting that people have already done and turn it into TV-friendly reporting? Uh, but there's yep. not a lot of original... I mean, now we're getting, you know, Manu Raju at CNN's doing some great stuff, and, you know, you're getting a lot... Some people in MSNBC, Rachel's obviously putting the dots together on Russia, so you're getting more and more people that are starting to do the the more uh, original investigative work but for a mm-hmm. long time it was just a regurgitation of what came out in the newspapers in the morning well let's take uh, one last break at this point and come back and wrap up the show i want to talk about jeff sessions uh, right after these words you can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using bubble genius bath and body products see bubble genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items, too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Bob Seska!
This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Oh, I love this song. I love this song. Uh, okay. Welcome back to our... I got distracted by the music a little bit, which I tend to sometimes do. Just like rocking out over here. Uh, Billy Joel, yeah. I'm feeling really Caucasian. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, it's our Thursday show. Welcome back. Uh, Jackie Schechner is here today from InvestigateRussia.org. It's really your one-stop shop for everything you need to know about what's happening with the Russia investigation, not only uh, in terms of timelines. I mean, the time I was going through the timelines the other day, Jackie, and just, like, this is the greatest tool in the world. We just go through and to know exactly how some of these events coincided and what was happening around them, which we tend to forget. We tend to see uh, these news events as they happen, these leaks as they occur, through a keyhole, and and what investigaterussia.org does is it puts all of this together in a way, in an easily referenceable way, uh, and, and, and adds to the understanding of these stories, adds to the context of the stories, and some of the, uh, some of the overlap that occurs showing, in many cases, guilt by one party or another. And uh, when it comes to Jeff Sessions, this is where the timeline comes in really handy. Because Jeff Sessions has been all over the place with his sworn testimony, <laughs> saying one thing, and then it comes out later that, that, he, that he was lying, and that, of course, has happened again today. NBC News is reporting that Sessions now recalls that he nixed the proposal for a Trump-Putin meeting during the campaign, appearing to contradict his previous accounts, sources tell NBC News. Mm-hmm. Now, what this has to do with, uh, and I'm sure you can shed some more light on this, Jackie, is that uh, in congressional testimony, Jeff Sessions said under oath that that he was not privy to any meetings or any planned meetings and no one came to him. No other Trump staffers came to him. I know nothing. I know nothing. I know nothing. I see nothing. And, And then, of course, we find out now. That, of course, that George Papadopoulos went to Jeff Sessions and said, can we set up a meeting between Trump and Putin in Moscow and do that? And, and Jeff Sessions says, no, it's a bad idea, which, again, th- his response was was fine. I mean, to say to Papadopoulos, no, we don't want Trump going and meeting with Putin right now. That's OK. But then why did Jeff Sessions lie about it? Why didn't he disclose that he had that conversation with George Papadopoulos? Ah, uh, because they all know they did something wrong. Yep, and th- this is <laughs> not the... a big mystery. He's he's lying. They're all lying. They're all a bunch of lying liars. Again, I mean, I mean the yeah, it's not it's not a it's not a surprise. And yeah. I don't. I mean, I guess if you live in a land where you've lied your entire life, you don't think you're ever going to get caught. That you just keep on lying, but they can't keep their story straight, which is what happens when you lie. Right? Yeah. You can't remember where the lie starts and the lie ends, and then next thing you know. You're stuck in this vortex of misinformation and distruth. And so, I mean, that's what's happening now. He's, yeah. he's now been in front of Congress how many times and told and told a lie? I mean, mm-hmm. it's... So well, get him on perjury, at least. Let's step in and do something. Yeah, and that's certainly... Enough is enough. That's what everyone's talking about today, Jack. Everyone's talking about perjury with regard to Jeff Sessions. And again, it, it goes down to the old maxim. It's not the crime, it's the cover-up. And yeah. that's, that's what's going to screw over uh, the president. Because what he is really on the hook for, uh, at least based on the leaks that we've been getting, the reporting that we've been seeing over the past year or so, it is little to do with Donald Trump authorizing any communications with Russia or him 
specifically by name involved in meetings or phone calls. This is about what Donald Trump is going to go down for is obstruction of justice. This is the cover up that Donald Trump is going to get nabbed on. And that's it looks like it's going to be the same with his attorney general. That this is going to be a case where Jeff Sessions mm-hmm. lied one time after another, after another, after another to uh, members of the United States Senate. And now I think this is going to be one time is too often. It's just going to be like this is going to be the one I think that breaks the camel's back on, on perjury. And if he's not, if he's not indicted by uh, Mueller for perjury, then, one of, then the Senate Intelligence Committee is going to take a giant shit on his face and just say, that's it for you. Uh, we're going to try to impeach you. We're going to try to remove you as Attorney General of the United States. <laughs> now, I don't know what the process is uh, for, doing, for impeaching a cabinet member. But something's going to happen to Jeff Sessions out of this. I can, I can feel it. This is not going to sit well with the members of that committee. And it doesn't matter that Jeff Sessions is a former member of the committee. It doesn't matter yeah. that Jeff Sessions is a former member of the Senate and has colleagues and friends on the Hill. You know what's is, interesting is how many people along the way that, like, either fellow members of Congress and the media have said, like, oh, she's a good guy, a good person, or yeah. he's a good guy. Or, you know, I know, I mean, it happened, I remember, like, when Kellyanne Conway first... Uh, laughed, it was like, well, she's a good person. And Sean Spicer, it's like, he's a good person. Or John Kelly, like, he's a good person. Well, first of all, if they're leaving to go work for the Trump campaign, they're mm-hmm. not a good person. Yeah. And then on top of that, like, their behavior basically tells you exactly who they are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all of these people in Washington love to say what a good person so-and-so is, but... Yeah. It's like, yeah. Well, yeah, no. I mean, they, you may like them, like they, you may have had good interactions with them, but they're showing you very clearly what their character is and who they are. And deep mm-hmm. down, these are not good people. And that makes me extra happy when I learn about people like Sam Clovis as a cooperative witness in the Mueller probe. This is why it makes me happy to learn that George Papadopoulos might have been wearing a wire because mm. a lot of these uh, White House insiders, a lot of these Trump campaign insiders, Trump organizations, insiders for that matter might be right now just really just perpetually crapping themselves it is it is diarrhea time in the white house because (laughs) they don't know if they're they've been recorded they don't know if their phone conversations have been recorded they don't know if they've been overheard saying things involved in some discussions with russia because there are people all around them possibly right now people that we don't know about names that we haven't heard yet wearing wires Recording conversations going on with senior White House officials, things like that happening. And that's got to be completely unnerving. Everyone, including Donald Trump, to know that they might be on tape, that there mm-hmm. might that Lordy, I hope there are tapes. And, and that is not what White House people are saying right now. They are they are praying the biggest prayers they've ever prayed that there are no tapes. But I'm I'm. Becoming increasingly certain that there are, knowing that we have at least now two witnesses who have been cooperating all along. And, and the funny thing about the Sam Clovis thing, Jackie, is that he, up until today, he was up to be the head of the science lab at the Ag Department. Hi. I mean, he was a nominee uh, for a, a cabinet-level post. Mm-hmm. And yet he's been a cooperative witness on the Mueller probe since forever. I mean, how long has this been going on? Politico said that this is uh, he's been a fully cooperative witness in the Senate Intelligence Committee's investigation of Russian interference in the 2016 election. Uh, and this is this comes down from uh, Senate Agriculture Chairman Pat Roberts telling Politico. So it's not even you, you notice you notice there are more named sources in these articles. 
I'm just realizing oh, now. Oh, yeah, because people are not afraid to speak out anymore. Because yeah. Because what's going to happen to them? By the way, I just wanted to underscore the fact, just to, to head off this tweet at the pass. Uh, when it comes to sources, you know how many sources were in the uh, uh, Muggsy, uh, Philip Rucker, uh, who, I forget who else wrote that, uh, the big Washington Post uh, piece, uh, but <laughs> they had 20 goddamn sources on that story. 20 sources. This was, yeah, just to credit where credit is due, is Robert Costa, who I call Muggsy, because, right. he, lo- because he looks like a Muggsy, uh, Philip Rucker and Ashley Parker. 20 goddamn sources on this story. Many of them, I, I'm seeing named sources too, but these are sources close to the White House, if not inside the White House. This is a pretty yeah, big people deal. People are starting to get, yeah. starting to get comfortable. Yeah. yeah. The, the, cra- the cracks are forming, and, uh, and I'm really, this is the kind of crack, this is like actual crack. This is just as addictive <laughs> as, as actual crack, watching, watching all these cracks forming. So. Uh, lots more to talk about, though. We've got more Russia stuff to get into. Um, before before we roll out of here and into the uh, post-mortem show, I just want to emphasize this one more time. It's mm. now been 33 days. 33 days since Republicans allowed the CHIP program to expire. Oh, yeah, that's right. We haven't seen any movement on that. 8.9 million kids were enrolled in the CHIP program for health But they're pro-life, Bob. That's right. Pro-life. You know what? And again, I keep repeating the uh, the George Carlin idea, which is that uh, if you're pre-born, you're fine. If you're preschool, you're fucked. I read a great thing on... We can do this in the after show. I read a great thing on Twitter. It's a great argument to fight back on people who argue... Yeah. Uh... Uh, that life begins at conception. It's a, it's a, an interesting quandary to, to pose to somebody. Okay, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear that. Because it's like, that was the issue, believe it, it was the abortion issue that when I was in 12th grade transformed me from being an idiot conservative to being a liberal. Oh, well, look at you being Someone... all pro-woman. <laughs> what, which is it? Was there just an earthquake in, in L.A. just now? I may or may not have dropped the microphone. <laughs> Boy, I ripped my headphones right out of my speakers the other day on the show. Made a huge screeching. We're a little spa- we're a little spazzy, but we're fun. Well, I always like to bring this up. You know, a guy uh, who was uh, who worked with me on the uh, the high school newspaper said to me one day, "Bob, if your girlfriend got pregnant, what would you do?" Oh. And I said, "Well, obviously, it would be her choice in terms of what." To do. And then I realized, "Oh my God." I'm pro-choice. I'm pro-choice. <laughs> and that was it. I mean, that was it. It was that sort of thing. It just sort of, uh, it just, I don't know, it was like a light bulb appearing over my head, and suddenly there I am, uh, as uh, pro-choice and as liberal as it can be. So Thanks for my, you for recognizing it. Well, it's, my, it's, it's been my, you know, weird, weirdly, and I'm not lying when I say this, it's been my life's work to come up with arguments like that, that make people suddenly go, Hmm, I get it now. Well, I'll tell you this one. I read it on Twitter. I don't take credit for it, but it's a really good one. And the guy who put it out said he never gets a good answer from pro-life people. So, <laughs> okay. If that's not a teaser to stay tuned, I don't know what is. That's coming up next to the Postmortem Show at our Patreon page. Go to bobseska.com, click the all-caps Patreon link. It's right next to the Target link, by the way. And sign up for uh, our Patreon page. Go do it right now. We'll see you over there, folks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.